0: does have it all all of our pre-owned vehicles are hubler q certified which include a 128 point vehicle inspection a free carfax vehicle history report and two warranties a two-year 100,000 mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day 1,000 mile comprehensive warranty visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com has it all. and thank you to shelby materials for making the conversation possible joe Wrights obviously has something to do with that as well colt's camp tomorrow we will be out there we'll talk to joe in just a second here want to let you know by the way when it comes to if you are going up to camp quack daddy donuts right there in westfield just south of grand park as a matter of fact off spring mill uh they are closed today on mondays but tomorrow the the best code word available again you go in there and you use the code word when you go into quack daddy donuts you're going to get three dollars off a dozen donuts you wear colt's gear you're going to get 10 percent off right there tomorrow's code word is the best Kevin, would you like to let folks know tomorrow's code word? Do you happen to have it in front of you?
1: Uh, Just go ahead, Jake. That would be Jake. You go
0: in there, as always, the name Jake's synonymous with a little money for you, right? Come on, you go in there, you get a maple icing and bacon donut, you'll take that, right? Mark, a, you'd, you'd be willing to say my
1: name. You get for a wallet discount. sized photo of Jake Query. That's what you get tomorrow if you go to Quackdown. Now, does that promo code work before noon? <laughs>
2: oh, nice. I like that. I like no, that. No,
1: it hasn't in years. Uh, buy one get one coffee right that's Tough right off. love it coming this week uh so yes uh, we'll be back out there tomorrow for our final practice and to recap what we saw on saturday afternoon you heard him on the radio call he is joe Wright's. uh joe good morning uh kids dropped off is this day one for the for, for the kids back to school day four day kevin four. good afternoon to you and jake uh, <laughs> good afternoon. how are you guys doing this uh, monday when you wake up at 4 a.m like joe Wrights does and you've already worked out twice it is the afternoon that's right you you and jake couldn't be on more polar opposite sleeping schedules by the way joe
2: hey it's it's all good you know that's why that's what makes the world go round and round right differences <laughs> and different approaches but yeah i'm definitely a uh, an early morning riser, but uh, yeah, had a good workout uh, with my brother-in-law this morning and got fired up and now uh, ready to talk some Colts.
0: Okay, so Joe, let's um, we'll do a good, bad, and the ugly, right, when it comes to a preseason game. And maybe there was one of those that you say, well, I don't know that, that I saw anything of that. But we'll start with the good. Uh, give me an, an item or two that pleasantly surprised you, and, and by that I mean... Maybe you weren't necessarily looking at a particular area or player, but when you looked at the film or you watched the game, you said to yourself, you know what, kudos to them. Nice job.
2: Yeah, I'll go three quick ones. First, we got out healthy, and my number one key going into the game on the radio was you know, everybody walked back to the bus with, with no boots on. And I know I think there was one injury, um, concussion to Ula Bay, but overall we got out healthy, which that's ultimately the most important thing. Two, and I think everybody's talked about it at length with to Richardson. I thought that Richardson impressed me. It was a little bit better performance than I would have thought overall collectively uh, before the game. And then three, I thought um, that first unit offensive line played well, and I think you saw a renewed um, energy and vigor from Ryan Kelly and Quentin Nelson on the inside. I do think Ryman got some good push in the run game. There wasn't a lot of pass, true drop-back opportunities, but – I, I really think that the uh, the running game, and especially running that left side behind Q and Ryman kind of a couple of years ago to uh, him and Costanzo, I think that can be something that's really good. And um, so, so I was definitely impressed with those three. Joe, this is going
0: to sound, I don't know how to word this question, because I think they're all obviously critically important. But I am curious, as somebody who played on the line, in the offensive line, if you had to pick one player on the line that like if somebody came to you and said look uh we're going to take one of your offensive linemen and put them at 40% their their health is going to be 40% their effectiveness is going to be 40% which position would you pick to have that happen because it's the position that can most mask deficiency on an offensive line
2: well i have never been asked that question in all my years of line i mean i would say left tackles most important Um, Then, probably, you know, center right. I mean, probably right guard, I would say, if you had to pick one, would probably be the least important. That's generally because it's not on the blind side. And, you know, generally it's a little bit easier to maybe, uh, you know, mass some stuff inside of the guard versus outside of the tackle when those guys are usually one on one with the defensive end.
0: Well, the reason I ask it is because, you know, last year, like we talked to Ryan Kelly at the beginning of the season or at the beginning of, of camp. And he was open about the fact that he went through some struggles last year. Totally understandably, Joe. I mean, I totally get it. I think everybody does understand why just things outside of football would, would weigh you down within football. But it, it, it's my feeling that we probably couldn't have even gotten a full assessment of Bernard Ryman and his growth from a year ago just because he, has, he, he, he was yet to be playing with the full 100% anchor of a center beside him is that a fair statement
2: um yeah i mean i would say a little bit but you know ryman you know really you got quentin nelson in the middle you know between him and ryan kelly well yeah yeah
0: but well nelson was banged up too though i guess i should have thrown that in
2: yeah but i I think that when you go to ryman uh i thought that while he struggled i mean his first game was thursday night in denver we couldn't move the ball i mean those guys were getting off on the snap count i was there watching it live that's just tough sledding for your first game but i thought the last four to five games uh, he played some pretty decent football. He played what you would call winning football, good enough to win the game. And so I do think that Ryman um, is, is going to have a better year. And I think overall collectively as the line you think. Last year, you're playing with a quarterback that can't move in the pocket and you're throwing the ball down the field versus now with Richardson you know, or Minshew. What kind of offense are we running? You saw hurry up already in the preseason. I love that. You saw different formations. You saw us running zone reads, RPOs design quarterback runs quick passes all those different type of things will definitively help the offensive line and think now you're coming from a position as a lineman when you get to be aggressive you get a tee off you get to run the ball more versus hey we're going to drop back in a seven five step drop those are long afternoons and so just that in itself and Shane's different type of offense and approach I think is going to be really good I love seeing the no huddle early and that was another thing I was impressed with Richardson I thought he ran the show well, meaning he got guys in and out of the huddle, no pre-snap penalties. They did some different no-huddle stuff. They huddled. He was pointing out you know, a couple different things protection-wise, which you'd like to see. And so, again, he had the bad interception, and he'll learn over time, hey, you can't pump fake and, and then try to slip one in there, just throw it out of bounds and sail it high. But overall, uh, I was impressed with him from the QB spot.
1: Again, Joe writes is what to see on the Payless Liquors Hotline. You heard him and Matt Taylor on the call on Saturday, and you will hear that duo again coming up Saturday night with the Bears inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. Joe, I thought run game wise, to me, what stood out when Richardson was in the game. It's pretty amazing how much a defense has to freeze. When you have a run threat at, at quarterback, like particularly those guys on the edge, it just seems like there's a little bit of a hesitancy to it. And I thought the O line blocked pretty well. I thought Deion, Deion Jackson had a couple of nice runs, but I, I feel like, and you would be, I feel like the perfect person to ask this to, like just a run threat at quarterback has got to do so much for an offensive line, just like feeling. I don't know that they're like a half step quicker in being able to get to their block because again the defense just has to kind of pause for a second thinking there is a dual threat nature back there of, yeah, we expect him to give it to Jackson or Evan Hall or whoever, but if he keeps it, we obviously have to account for him as well.
2: No doubt. And I'll get a little technical, but think if you're running a zone, you know, run to the right and there's no threat of a quarterback run, well, it's easier for those linebackers to flow fast, play side or run downhill, right? But if you have a quarterback that could pull the ball and run the other way, all of a sudden those linebackers are in a position of conflict. So what does that allow you to do? One, it allows you to solidify more time on the double teams. A lot of times linemen will they'll double team like a nose guard, and then one guy will slide off to the linebacker. Well, think of the linebacker shooting the gap. Boom, that left guard, quentin has got to come off the block, and now Ryan's one-on-one with the nose. But now these linebackers that don't quite know which way we're going to go is – Richardson going to pull the ball and run the other way, it gives you more time to solidify those double teams, which means more movement, which means moving the line of scrimmage. So that's a small thing, but a really big thing that can help this O-line. And again, when I watch Richardson, the biggest thing that stuck out to me watching him live is, yes, we know how athletic he is, and we know just the threat of a running quarterback, but it is going to be really hard for one individual defender to bring him down. And what I mean by that is, he shook a guy five yards deep in the backfield, turned a five-yard loss into a five-yard game. And that was a
1: first-round yeah, pick yeah. who, he, who he shook yeah. off him, yeah.
2: Who, who's a big dude, by the way. But I just think it it's going to be hard in the open field for one guy to get him down. And there's the threat of a running quarterback. There's the threat of a, a running quarterback-type offense. And there's also that combined with the, the uber-unique skill sets and traits of Richardson. That's what really excited me, too, and stood out.
1: You know, Joe, kind of going off that, that, that question, this leads – to my next point and obviously we don't have all the answers on this but I wanted to get your thoughts I watched the offense operate in those three series with Richardson I thought man can you imagine what a home run hitter at running back would look like with him because you know it's one thing for Deion Jackson and Evan Holt to try and get to the first second level but all of a sudden if you give Jonathan Taylor a head of steam with three or four yards of nobody touching him we've seen what he can do um, from afar what do you make of this Jonathan Taylor situation
2: I just think it's uh, unfortunate that this is where we're at, and um, I don't know. It sounds like uh, I haven't been on the Twitterverse this morning, but he's uh, going to report to to camp, is, is what I read last night. And um, so, yeah, I'm hopeful that something gets worked out because I agree with you. I mean, the the home run threat of of Taylor combined with Richardson and combined with you know Shane's offense, and uh, yeah, I'm obviously it was vanilla in the game, but you know my mind just started wondering, the, man, what kind of play calls and concepts and stuff. Are we going to see week one in Jackson, Jacksonville? I just think there's there's so much that you can do, Kevin, you hit the nail on the head when you have that running threat as a quarterback. And that's been the new NFL, right? That's been the NFL that's been coming for the last three, four, five years. It started with spread in college football. And then all these high schools are running it. And fourth grade teams are running shotgun zone read. And I think that's what you're kind of seeing trickle up. And the Colts have not done that, right? The last, 25 years we've been uh, had a lot of really good success, but it's all been with a drop-back passer. And so when I just think about that, man, what's the future going to look like for this team, I I do get really excited. Um, And so we remain to be seen. There's there's a lot to to do. Again, Richardson's got a ton to work on. But, again, summing it up, it was net positive, in my opinion, a little bit better than I would have expected, and I think that's exciting. But to me, fellas, the preseason really started – Saturday. And what I mean by that is, you got Buffalo, you got two joint practices against the Bears. They'll be dialed up. You got another preseason game. You got more joint practice with the Eagles in another game. To me, this next two weeks is the most critical time in the development of this football team, and especially for the young guys and the rookies.
0: So I think you might have kind of answered my question there, Joe, but I was just about to ask you this. You know, for the Colts, for this organization, Andrew Luck was the incredible Hulk with like this amazing touch and timing with his passing. But the entire city would hold their breath and was like, why are they running the football with him? Do not run. Do not run. Throw it out of bounds. Quit running the ball. You're going to get hurt. And he got hurt repeatedly. Why suddenly now is it, run the ball. Why are you throwing? Run the ball. You're huge. You're athletic. Get out in space. Is there a danger here? Have we completely changed our tune on the ways that you schematically keep quarterbacks clean when incorporating a running game
2: yeah i mean i do think so you look at you know the ravens and lamar jackson and, and i think but there's a difference in being a, a dual threat quarterback there's a difference in being a drop back passer that's you know really athletic and can run and i think you you'll see different types of things but in my opinion there's ways to run the football and do it effectively and not take big direct hits and this is a completely different position, but remember Marvin Harrison? I mean, that, that guy never got hit. He got the ball, he ran, he got down, he was smart, he got out of bounds, and it was a great strategy and program for him, and I think that's what you coach your quarterback up to do. Okay, this is a designed run, it's a play, but I don't need to take the direct hit. I don't need to take a middle linebacker head on. Now, it's fourth and one at the goal line. You're going to do everything you can to get in there, but overall throughout the course of the game, to me it's about running smart, about sliding about getting out of bounds. And, you know, the NFL, is they're continuing to make changes to the game to try to make QB play safer. So I don't think you're going to go out there and be running, you know, be like Ron Colley High School and running, you know, power sweep right and left with your quarterback. But I do think that you'll see a lot more designed runs. Where with Andrew, it was different. It was more, hey, he was breaking contain or linemen like me weren't doing their job and there was leakage. And so he was getting out and running. So I think that's kind of the the big philosophical difference between – one, these two guys, and then two, just the way that both uh, coaches and offensive coordinators are going to be calling the plays.
1: At 44 career starts in his time with the Colts. He is Joe Wright. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Joe, we'll end with this. Um, would you start Anthony Richardson week one? First
2: off, when you said 44, I thought you were going to come Dela Cruz and talk about the red. Let's go. <laughs> we squeaked one out last night, Bowen. Joe, yeah, I was so nervous. Like going to win the division, but uh, – we we, we got to get in this wild
1: card. Uh, I was so nervous watching extra innings last night there. But ha- hell of an effort by Chris Duarte's brother there to uh, to hold the Pirates and get a much-needed split. It's all about the wild card. No one's catching the Brewers.
2: Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, um, if it was me, I would start Richardson week one. I've kind of gone back and forth and flip-flopped. Um, I would say, if you had asked me that before training camp, I would have said, well, maybe you start Minshew for four or five games and then it's a natural progress into Richardson, obviously – you know, you expect him to play a lot at quarterback this year. But after watching him and kind of seeing the the command that he had um, against Buffalo, I would I think that if it was me and I was the head coach and making the decision, I would uh, gear up and I would attack the next couple weeks with the idea that obviously things can change at any time. But he'd be your week one starter against Jacksonville. When
0: Shane Steichen went to bed after the game, what is the one thing that was most bothering him? Tell me the one area of the team, Joe. Uh, we did the good. Tell me the bad slash ugly.
2: Yeah, I mean, as a, as a head coach, you're going to have 50 different things. For me, it was some situational football. We had a key penalty that took away a touchdown in the first half. We had a third and one and a fourth and one we did not get with our starting unit. We had another fourth and one later we didn't get with our starting unit. So, to me, those situational things being better, you know, penalties, at inopportune times, those are the things those – uh self-inflicted wounds shooting yourself in the foot to drive a coach nuts and i'm sure that was the uh, critical point to the tape that they were coaching up you know to the guys uh today
1: diehard reds fan did you ever think about coming out of the bullpen at hsc no i did not i mean i probably
2: topped out arm strength at about 71 72 mm-hmm. i don't know that you can get a lot done in the uh, high school baseball there but uh I, I was i was a pretty good baseball player i was a catcher. Growing up till about sixth grade, and when kids started throwing curveballs, it was done. It was over for me, and I said, hey, we're going to just shut this down. And Don't they
0: throw curveballs balls now, like, goals. at age six?
2: Yeah, that's why kids all have Tommy John surgery at age 12. Yep. A bunch of parents think it's fun and smart to play 500 different sporting events year-round in all sports. Uh, I'll save my youth sports thoughts for maybe another time, Kevin. You can get me back on here, but uh, yeah. Yeah. We'll leave it at that.
1: 71 or 72 miles per hour. That's, that was like watching Matt Ryan last year play quarterback <laughs> for the Colts. Uh, coming up Saturday night, it's a 7 o'clock kick inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. You're going to hear Joe Wrights alongside Matt Taylor, Jeffrey Gorman on the radio call. Joe, thank you, man. Great stuff. Great seeing you last week.
2: All right. Thanks, fellas. Have a good one.